Welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent, dissonant thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Saurus, broadcasting to you live from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co-host, calling in all the way from Charm City, my pal Odell. Hey, hey, what's going on, guys? Nothing. How is life in um, Beemore? It seems like um, Baltimore is just a heated boiling pot getting ready to explode. There's all kinds of uh, <laughs> wonderful things going on. Uh, uh, a lot of topics being hit, uh, especially, you know, with not trying to get all political or anything. But, uh, uh, but yeah, there's definitely some things going on here. Um, right now we're in the middle of like a monsoon, so... Uh, if you hear loud winds and rain, I'm sorry, but uh, we're supposed to get about six inches of rain, I think, by Friday. So it's uh, it's coming down. <laughs> right on. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, you know, Baltimore is a resilient city, though. I mean, we've spent a lot. Of, you live in Baltimore, but I've spent a lot of yeah. time there. And after that Freddie Gray stuff happened, especially the whole country, the whole world, really got to see what a resilient city Baltimore really is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, the areas that were, you know, rioted or rebuilding or almost done being completed, um, uh, still a lot of things unanswered, uh, you know, with the, the police officers being acquitted on all charges. You still don't know who, how Freddie Gray died. The biggest mystery to me. Um, and then just the fact that I guess yesterday or the day before, you know, the, the police officers were honored by some conservative media group, um, some award gala thing. So, uh, yeah, it upset a lot of people. I can imagine. All right, let's switch to um, happier topics here. So I had to take my daughter to the doctor today. I had to take off work, take Vivian to the doctor. She's fine. But we were in the car. Or actually, no, this was when we were in the doctor's office. And I had mentioned something about the ignorance equation. And Vivian was like, your show is lame. The ignorance equation, don't you mean the irrelevant equation? Burn. And oh, ouch. <laughs> ouch. And I put a thing up. I put that quote up there, and, I, and on Facebook, I said, "For all you trolls out there, that's how you insult somebody. Calling me libtar or telling me to go fuck myself is weak. Get some new material. At least show me you're as clever as my ten-year-old daughter. That is like the most <laughs> clever insult because usually people are like, "Fuck you, libtard," or "Go to hell, socialist." But that—that that was actually a really for a ten-year-old girl. She really kicked a clever insult there. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she seemed to be I good. That. I started last saw that. I was dying. <laughs> why can't my trolls be that clever? No, because that's why they're trolls. Yeah, good point. <laughs> All right, two weeks ago, we did a show for our buddy Dave who passed away. Um, yeah. Your album is still pending on Amazon for anybody who wants to buy it. I know you guys are going to donate part of the proceeds to Dave's family. That's still yeah. impending. You have to go through Creative Space, and it's a big, giant hassle. I guess they mm-hmm. have to vet and make sure that you're not using music from somewhere else and make all the artwork and crap. But anyways, um, what kind of feedback have you gotten about the show we did? Uh, 
all positive, man, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I got I got a note from uh, Heather. Uh, she really enjoyed it, and she was really glad that she called in. Um, but overall, most of the people, they really, really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, of course, it's, it's such a tough topic to talk about, but um, I, I think we, we definitely, you know, gave it uh, Gave us some justice and, and, and honored him in a, in a in a really respectful and a lighthearted way too as well. So um, I know talking to everybody that was on on the show. Um, fortunately, I'm, uh, I'll be seeing Mark and Kevin this weekend, um, so I will probably talk more about it there. But um, yeah, but overall, the reaction that I got was really really good. Very nice, um, D. We have a caller from San Diego. Um, it is Shane. It's Mormo. Actually, let's get Mormo in here. Mormo, what's up? Hey, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, bud. I, I didn't know you were out in um, the San Diego area. For some reason, I was thinking you were on the East Coast. Uh, I'm in Missouri, but I kept my San Diego number uh, in case any old girlfriends want to call me. Oh, you get a lot of midnight you're, calls from the ladies? I, I Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. You're in what, Br- Branson, right, Mormo? Branson, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. at the mall right now selling toys, but the mall's dead, and so I had a chance okay. to call in. Right on. Well, it's good to hear from you, man, and I want to thank yeah. you for um, all of the people you've been throwing our way. You're like our best fan out there. Yeah, man. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to send you people who have something to plug or they're just releasing something, you know? Well, I definitely yeah, I'm definitely it. a super... I'm definitely a super fan. I've been leaving comments on your website and everything. Well, that's what makes it worth it, right, Odell? Knowing that people out there actually give a damn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the best. That's the best. Especially, you know, when we hear it or we go back and you see the message where the people are talking, it's great. It definitely makes it worthwhile. All right, well, we got about 10 minutes before Mauricio, I know I'm going to butcher his freaking name, Mauricio (laughs) calls in, but just hang with us, Mormon. I want to hit this subject. I was watching the debates the other night, and I was looking at this, and I was thinking, Odell, the the way that the political landscape is, like, skidding into the ditch, do you think, like, three years from now we're going to be having a talk about the debate we just watched between Ted Nugent and Kanye West? Because I feel like this is where this is all heading. I can I can see it happening. Um, just because it seems like, especially now, the fact that somebody like Donald Trump could actually win his uh, party nomination, um, uh, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, society in itself is more. It seems like nowadays people are more interested in what goes on. Basically, put it this way: when TMZ becomes an actual news source, they're a credible source. It's a, there's a problem. Um, yeah, we've gone off the freaking cliff. Like, That's I'll never for forget, sure. yeah, one day I was watching CNN and Wolf Blitzer comes on, you know, it's like, even breaking news, Wolf Blitzer comes on. And, and I love Wolf Blitzer. I think he's awesome. He's been around forever. But he was like, you know, TMZ is reporting that Charlie Sheen, and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Dude, they so, do political stories, too. They broke, like, some Anthony Weiner story, and they got, like, secret phone calls and stuff. And I'm like, holy shit, people are worried about the NSA? You should be fucking worried about TMZ. They seem like they have a lot more spying capability than the NSA. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they get in there. They pay people. They get the information that they need, and then, and then they go on. Man, they're probably a branch of Anonymous or something. They, I mean, they, they've branched out so far that they even have, you know, like TMZ Sports. So they were the ones that actually broke, like, the Ray Rice video. 
before even the NFL could get a hold of the video. They basically were the ones that had the video and posted it, uh, his, uh, the, the video of him and his uh, now wife in the elevator. That was that was TMZ. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, guys, let me go into this subject before we get Maurizio on the line here. I do want to talk right. about musicians who have tried their hands at politics, and most of them have failed. Most of them can't even get elected. Um, Jello Barafa ran yeah. for um, – what did he run for? He had a campaign Mayor slogan. San Francisco. Yep, mayor of San Francisco yep. under the Green Party nomination. Ran two separate times, and his um, campaign slogan is "There's always room for Jello." Does that sound <laughs> like he was taking it seriously? It's pretty good. <laughs> so, does that sound like he's taking it seriously? He also wanted businessmen to wear clown suits in city limits. I don't know how well that would go over today with all the nefarious clowns lurking about. Yeah, oh, for yeah. Sure. I don't know if he. I mean, Jello's a very He's, he's super smart, but he's very sarca- sarcastic. So I don't know uh, what his motive was, but I could I could definitely see it. You know, definitely not making a mockery of it, but making it like this is what really happens. This is you know, this is what really goes on here. Well, it sounds like a lot of these guys run just to kind of prove a point or to make some kind of statement. Nirvana's bass player, and I'm going to butcher this name too, Chris Novoselic. Yeah, yeah. Am I saying that right? Um, he also ran for lieutenant governor of Washington in 2004, but then he, out of the Grange Party, which I guess is supposed to be a play on the Grunge Party, and he actually withdrew from the race before the election, and basically he was just trying to prove a point. And it seems to yeah. be there's a lot of that happening in the um, musical community. Luther Campbell, though, from Two Live Crew, he ran for office for mayor of Dodd County, and he seemed to be pretty serious. He didn't win. He only got um, 11% of the vote. Is it shocking to you guys that somebody with the name recognition, like Uncle Luke from 2 Live Crew, only got 11% of the vote? Yeah, well, that's shocking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you also got to you know, look at the areas that he's, he's running into. So um, a lot of people still remember him as you know, Uncle Luke, if you will, from uh, 2 Live Crew. Now he's like a big-time youth football coach and runs a league and does a lot of really uh, great things in the community down there. Do you think that album's still banned down there? Because I remember when Florida had banned that Me So Horny album. I doubt it. I mean, you can. I, I, I don't think it would be now, by now. All right. Um, why clean? Why? Why clean? Why Clef Jean? Jean. He, yeah. Jean. Why Clef Jean? Yeah, he ran for president of Haiti. And they actually disqualified him, saying he had, you know, even though he was born there, he hadn't actually lived there. And that seemed yeah. to be a little bit of a scandal behind the scenes with that whole thing. Yeah, that was a, that was a crazy thing because he had a really good chance of winning. Like, if you looked at the scenario, because I think when he ran, it was right after that devastating uh, earthquake. And um, um, they had a whole bunch of storms in a row, but the earthquake was a big one. And he decided, you know, and then the corruption that was going on down there. He was like, you know what, I'm going to go run. But he was a serious threat. I think there was actually an assassination attempt on him as well. And um, you know, then once the, the the powers that be, they started going back and basically said he, you know, yeah, like you said, Nick, he, he was, you know, he was born there, but he hadn't lived there long enough to. You know, you're scaring the right people when somebody tries to take you out. Yeah, they were seriously trying to take him out, like. 
like that. There was an attempt on him. All right, moving on. We've got Richard Kinky Friedman. Have you guys ever heard of the country singer Richard Kinky Friedman? Oh. <laughs> He's an author, too, I believe. I had never heard of him, and I didn't have time to research him, but he ran for governor of Texas in 2006 and finished with fewer than 13%. So there's yeah. another guy who ran. I mean, none of these guys, it's crazy to me that none of these guys seem like they really are able to get any traction, especially the ones that have name recognition. That's a little crazy, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's all, if you believe it, you know, I, I think a lot of these cats really believe that they could do something. And, and I mean, what was the, uh, the adult uh, uh, film star out in California she ran? Tracy Lords? No, I want to say Ma- Mary Carey. I think it's her name. Oh, yeah. Shane should and know kid, this. You know all the points. The kid stories. from uh, Different Strokes ran that same election, too. Yes, Dana yeah. Dana Plato? She died, like, back in, God, the 90s, I thought. No. Uh, no. The, uh, the midget. I can't think of his name right or now. Or Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman ran in that yeah. same election, yeah. Yep, yep. I miss Gary Coleman. I wish that guy was still around. I love that dude. That dude got hosed, sure. man. Woo, you talking about just, uh, Yeah, we got to get Shane together and just do an episode on child actors that got just totally screwed over. I got to put something totally on that. Because yeah, we could do two full hours on that shit. Easily. Okay, the last one I got here, because we've got Maurizio on the line. Um, the last one we got on here is Joey Shithead Keithley from DOA. Um, he ran in two different, just as British Columbian elections it doesn't say um what office under the green party and once again no winner that's a shame too because he's really smart i read his book i shithead and uh he's a really smart guy it seems like a lot of these guys are but it seems like they're doing like half measures like they're only half-heartedly into it or they're trying to make a statement i mean do you think any of these guys were actually running running or do you think they were just running more as a protest um, well, DOA is a really politically, uh, a real political band, and they've always yep. been protesting, and their music talks about labor rights and stuff like that. So I, I'm, I'm sure that he was legitimately running because right, politics yeah. is really important to him. All right, fair enough. Um, D, tell us who's coming on the show Sunday and introduce our guest tonight. Yes, this Sunday we are going to have Xander Demos on The Ignorance Equation with us. And on Kettle of Fish, we are going to have actress Nicole Dursua. I still haven't decided if I'm saying that name right. Um, but tonight from Goblin, which, as I've said, is one of those bands. If you watched just about any horror movie from the 80s, you probably heard their music. Uh, from Goblin, we have Maurizio Guarini. Maurizio, Hello. how you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great, sir. Hey. I want to thank you so much great. for coming, calling in. You are definitely a legend in the music and yes, film yes. world. Oh my God! I, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right, I, I want to get right to it. I've always been a fan of Goblin since a very young age, but getting prepared for this show, I really dug into you guys' history. Um, Forty plus years. There's been several incarnations of Goblin. You yourself have been involved in several projects, music, film, and even software related outside of the band. 
Yet at some point, it seems you always end up back with Goblin. Is that your first true love? Can you never escape the gravity of that band? Okay, recently that's what is happening, yes. Since, uh, let's say, the last 10 to 15 years, since we, we got back on the scenes, because for a period after the 80s, sort of uh, everything fed down, but with the internet, everything just started to rediscover what we were doing, and we started again our production. That's it. So is this a case where you kind of do things and it's always in your back of your mind? Because I know you guys have reunited in different forms several times. Is it always kind of a running theme in your mind? I know it's, this is all going to lead me back to Goblin, or is this just something that just happens spontaneously? Uh, it's, okay, both ways. Uh, the problem is that things don't last normally. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, okay, and, and let's say the first real reunion started uh, in 2003, like 13 years ago. Right. After a few years, a few decades doing nothing, uh, the guitar player Massimo and Fabio called me. I, I, I live in Canada, they're in Italy. Say, why don't we put together a band again? So we ended up doing this uh, Back to the Goblin project in 2005. Uh, since then, we started again our again our production. Uh, after a few years, we started playing live again. And that was sort of being reborn. But uh, things are not easy, so we had arguments, we split, uh, we changed line-up, uh, and then we changed line-up again. So, Things uh, happen, especially when there are different, uh, I don't know, strong personalities, let's say, in, in a band. So this might, might happen. And even in the past, of course, uh, I was in and out several times during the uh, starting from late 70s. Well, let so me tell you what I find amazing about you guys, and then I'll throw this over. We've also got my co-host Adele and our buddy Shane, who's a big Goblin fan. But let me hit this one point, and then I'll hand it over to those guys. Um, I was recently listening to your 2015 album, Four of a Kind, and then I listened to Roller back-to-back with it. And 40 years, you guys have really stayed true to your sound. Is it difficult to stay true to the Goblin sound? So much has changed in 40 years in culture, just in the world, in technology, how we disseminate and listen to music. Is it hard for you guys to stay true to that sound after 40 years? I would say no, because we, we we didn't do anything in purpose. I mean, we didn't try to copy ourselves 40 years ago. But sometimes when you are together with the same kind of people, even after 40 years, the same kind of ideas come up. It's a sort of, I don't know, magic things that happen between the same group of people. Maybe it happens even when you see your old school friends after 20 years. You start talking about the same thing and say uh, same stuff. I think this is what happened. Um, working in, in, in this way, uh, we had sort of the same mental process, just building the songs and stuff. And Yeah, so there is nothing planned about the similarities between Roller and Four of a Kind. So there was never any pressure then to say, hey, we've got to change our music or do this to try to keep up with whatever trends. You guys just go out there and kick it and do your thing, and you don't have any regard to outside pressure, right? 
No, the pressure is internal. Ah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> to do that, no, you should do that. But we don't, uh, we didn't plan anything from like a band for outside. Whatever fight we had, uh, it was internal. So each one of us trying to to, to bring its own stuff <laughs> in the thing. But uh, that's what what happened in, to Roller too. But uh, this is normal. If you are a musician, you want to bring your idea. You defend your idea, right? You, you have yeah. Thing for somebody mm-hmm. else. Right on. Um, Shane, you are a Goblin Super fan. Why don't you jump in here? Uh, Shane, are you with no, us? No, we just lost Shane. Uh, oh, we just customers. lost him. All right, let me oh, kick no. it over to Adele then, because I don't want to monopolize the conversation. Yeah, he's busy. <laughs> no, um, no, I was just coming across when when I've watched the movies that you've scored. Um, the, the music goes so well that it, it's almost like the movie's made around you guys' music and your music independently. Is is it, is it the pro, is the process basically? Do you get to see the film and then you do the score, or is it something where you already have things created and it just fits with uh, whatever project you're working on? Well, normally we always work uh, watching the movie first, or at least uh, even a temporary cut, and uh, building the music on that. The only uh, exception is when we work on Suspiria, where oh, Dario, ah, yeah. Yeah, Dario Argento asked us uh, to do a theme, giving us an indication of what he would like to do. And uh, in that case, we, we composed the, 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 the main theme just before seeing even the, 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 the film, any, any footage. That's the only case with Dario that uh, this happened. Of course, it always happens when somebody takes uh, your music, uh, ready music, and put it on their movies. Uh, that happened recently with the, the Solitude of Crime Numbers a few years ago. And they took a song from Back to the Goblin, of course, in that case. <laughs> the music is interesting. <laughs> uh, but uh, the only uh, case uh, when we did the music on, uh, before the shooting the movie, that was in Suspiria, at least the, the main theme. Then the rest was working after the movie. But you've done tons of movies independent of yeah. Goblin scoring them. Which process do you like better? Do you like collaborating with the band and going in and writing the soundtrack for a movie, or do you like being behind the scenes and scoring it independently? Oh, it depends. Uh, it's a different approach. I wouldn't say I like this better than this one. Sometimes it's important the people you have dealing with. If you feel comfortable, if the movie is good, and uh, it's a lot of factors. I don't, I wouldn't say it's important uh, the process. The, the important is the fact that at the end you want to reach a good, a good result, right? And of course, you, you may have more or less responsibility with Goblin. You are one of the composers, so in, in that case, it's, it's your music. Sometimes I did, for example, uh, several movies with uh, Fabio Frizzi. Uh, as a composer, that are mainly the the, the Fulci movies, the, the, like the Beyond, City of Living Dead, this stuff. I wasn't the, the main composer there, but I was um, basically bringing the sound and bringing this, the, the arrangement with the sound. In that case, you had to rely to somebody else's thoughts, because maybe he, he took arrangement with the director, but uh, still, you have less responsibility, but you want to to do a nice product and, and scary people, maybe. So you find fulfillment <laughs> in both is what you're saying? Sorry? 
you find fulfillment in both doing it collaboratively and then going in and independently and making a score for it, right? Yeah, I think I, I okay. No, let's talk in general. I don't like following rules in anything. <laughs> so, um, is there something like uh, um, that's normally done in a way? I personally, I don't. Of course, I, I normally do in that way because there would be a reason if people do all the same thing in the same way. But that's not a rule that I had, had to apply because just is a rule. Uh, I don't know. So, yeah, I wouldn't say uh, I work in that way, I like that way. Uh, it depends. <laughs> All right, it. fair yeah. enough. Okay, let's talk a little bit about, I'm going to switch gears here, because you have so many projects you work on in a 40-year career. I mean, your body of work is incredible. When I started digging in, I looked at your IMDb, and I started going through, because I only found out, I only know a fraction. I was only familiar with a fraction of what you guys do. You, you do so much. Do you still feel challenged and passionate about your work, or is it kind of like you've you know conquered every kingdom, slayed every dragon, and now it's automatic? Or do you still challenge yourself? <laughs> okay, if I look at my old work, I mean, talking about forty years ago, I was like a twenty-year-old thing. Of course, at that time, maybe I wasn't taking care much about my work because there's so much work to do. Maybe we're doing one movie in one uh, studio, and then after two hours, another movie in another studio. So we, we forgot totally what we did. Right now, no, I care a lot of what I'm doing, and I have a lot of projects. And, and uh, so maybe getting older, you get more responsible that uh, you, you may be important for somebody that likes your, your music. So it may be more involving right now compared to maybe 40 years ago, where Everything was very quick and very happening every day. So the the answer to your question is yes. I just take yeah, I take it seriously still now. Yeah. Do you go back often and listen to things that you've done in the past? Or are you so focused on the here and now you don't get a chance to like pop in the soundtrack for Suspiria and kind of kick back and take it in? Are you so busy you can't do that, or do you go back often and listen to what you've created? If I do, sometimes I do it just because I don't understand why he has so much success sometimes. Because uh, uh, one thing I learned... Really? Wow. One, one thing I learned, if you plan something to go uh, to be a success, it will never be a success. Maybe you have to do something just to the first attempt or something without taking care too much. In that way, maybe there's more <laughs> more chance to, to have something done uh, properly. I don't know. I, uh, talking about uh, our way to think in music, uh, in, in terms of being composers and musicians, I think we should give uh, a lot of uh, more importance to our instinct, uh, or because that, that's where our creativity is. Yeah, that's solid advice. Yeah, yeah. In uh, the moment you start rationalizing, maybe you start destroying whatever you do. Of course, wow. if a good product, uh, a good product, you are not destroying too much. But sometimes the very first attempt or something that you try, or a solo or something, is the most genuine thing that you can get. Because uh, you, okay, yeah, let me fix that note. Let me fix that. At the end, you start fixing stuff. It's not uh, doesn't have the same uh, taste of the, the beginning because that was totally um, instinct, instinct, pure instinct. 
Wise words, huh, Adele? I know yeah, that myself, I I've been a victim of trying too hard, and we've had friends bands that just did exactly what Mauricio said, gone back exactly. and tried to polish every note, and they, they were together three years, and you've seen them play out once, and they sounded perfect, and they'd scrap their whole set and start over again. Uh, yeah, yeah. Over. always happen in studio. You do a, a take, okay, that's good, perfect, you love it. So you start fixing stuff, and you... It's bad. It's worse and worse and worse and worse. At the end of the day, after I say, listen, okay, this was with what we started fixing, and this is the result. We are idiots. So it's, it's much better than, than the other one because uh, in some way you may be too picky about, oh, yeah, the noise or maybe the tempo is not perfect or something, but it's, it's not important. People don't don't care about that. It's just uh, something for internal for musicians. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 a little bit off of that, uh, well, actually, I'm going to jump to a little something different. Um, I know, uh, just reading, you, you got into software development. Um, one, how did that come about? How did you get uh, interested in, in, in that? Was it, I know it probably came through music in some form or fashion, but after a while, you actually got away from the musical aspect of it and started just developing. So how, where did that passion come from? Okay, that starts from the uh, mm, yes, same period, Gobby. I mean, the, the very first personal computer, I'm talking about before Apple II, so before Commodore 64, and talking wow. about the, oh, 1978. Wow. Uh, I always liked uh, mathematics, um, these kind of um, things. And the first personal computer, I, I immediately bought it. There was a hobby, a passion. I always had uh, this passion. Actually, in uh, before MIDI was uh, created, MIDI is uh, you know the, everybody knows what MIDI is. Anyway, it's a music interchange uh, mm -hmm. format, and uh, that was invented in 1984. Six years before, I, I did already something similar to MIDI with a card that was working with a, with a Apple II. And uh, we, we did uh, in Buy Omega there are, and, and Contamination. There are some movies just before MIDI that was playing some sort of MIDI. So I always had this kind of um, love for computer and uh, mathematics. And uh, in the, at the end of the 80s, let's say from 88, 89, 90 to 98, there was a bit of crisis in the music industry in, in production. So there were less... Uh, studio work, less uh, tour. So I switched my main activity more toward the software development because I, I already had a, a base for that. And that assessed me because, yeah, of course, you, there's no work for a musician. You maybe end up some, doing something that you don't like. And you start not loving the, the music as you, you used to. So I had this uh, software side that helped me to keep being creative in another field that um, I was very lucky to to to, to have this uh, passion. Do you feel like there's a lot of similarities between music and mathematics? Do you think of them in the same way when you're developing software or developing a score or composing music? Absolutely, yes. Um, software um, to me is not to be confused with the office software. I mean, boring things or 
Yeah, of course. Well, even boring things, but uh, underneath there is some a lot of creativity. You, you have to to face with algorithm. You have to face uh, something too slow. You have to find a way to interact with a user that you don't know. So it, there is a lot of uh, question mark. You have to solve problems. The music is the same. In the music, basically, you have twelve notes. And uh, with those notes, you have to, to solve a problem. You have to make people scary, make people happy or terrified. Uh, Very true. Stuff. But you have these 12 bricks. You have to put them together in succession. It's the same thing. The software instruction is the same thing. You have to put a few instructions in a sequence, and uh, the computer can do whatever. So um, I think I, I, see, I find a lot of similarities between the two. Yeah, and I can definitely see that. One thing when I'm listening to Goblin's music, and I've been getting into a lot of old 70 bands like um, from that era, like Killing Floor and Moondog, and this it's so orchestrated. There's so many different arrangements and tempo, tempo changes. It seems you don't see a lot of in today's music. When you compare that to today's music, do you feel like something's missing, like they're not putting as much thought into making the music creative and having a lot of changes, that it's just kind of lazy for lack of a better word or is it just a totally different thing you mean now more people are more lazy uh, you know uh, i don't think you can change this i would say not maybe people want to make money now music is an industry like every everything's become an industry or business even doctor or veterinary things once they were sort of saving people now they are companies so music yeah. is the same thing um, listeners are totally changed. When we were listening an album in, in the 70s, one of us was buying the album, so we were just meeting at this uh, living room, sitting on the sofa and listening to the album two or three times, so just going in depth uh, to learning stuff. Now you are bombed with, with thousands of songs every day, everywhere, so there's no uh, any more... Uh, the need to to build something uh, interesting. I mean, no, there isn't this is always the need, but the, some musicians, even they will be able to, they don't spend time for maybe three people that will listen to what they're doing. So because there is more a mass um, thing. So too bad. I think we we have lost that uh, that. Um, I think you're right. Like I said, I've been listening to this guy, Moondog, from the 70s, and it's mind-blowing. Wouldn't you agree, Adele, that we've kind of lost a step in that? Well, I think also, um, and I I, I don't know if you would agree with me on it, I think back in the day when you got to experiment with a lot of the the, the tools that were out there or finding these tools, now it's a lot of the tools that you you had, they've been enhanced. Um, They're more easily applicable. To uh, use now, um, so mm-hmm. I think I think the majority of people can actually go out and, and you know do their own producing or do their own um, composer because all they have to do is hit a button and sync it with the you know like we're talking about with the notes and the math and it's still simple and you can come up with a lot of stuff. But I think when you originally have to like really go in and dig in and pull things out of out of that and write it down and, and sit there and figure out the process, I think you gain more out of it that way. Oh, yeah, totally agree. Now uh, the tools uh, make 
everything possible for people that don't, don't have any clue or any idea what they're doing. And uh, this is true for music, this is true for, for movies, and that's why I think the average uh, quality is down, in my opinion. Maybe somebody <laughs> may say that it's up. In my opinion, yeah. it's down. Because everybody, even who's not supposed to do it, uh, does it. So, and maybe the the power of the your record label or people you know um, can push you more than maybe a great musician that, that doesn't have any way to 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 let people listen to his music. And uh, so, some, there is a lot of very good music, interesting stuff around, but you have to dig oh, yeah. search for it. Because what uh, is coming from the radio and TV and stuff is, let me say, that this cannot even be considered music sometimes, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I know I'm old, blah, 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 but I don't see research in, in, in any kind of stuff, often. I'm not uh, never absolute hundred percent what I'm saying, but uh, I think uh, mostly it's like that. We 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 had more chance to be creative. And I a hundred percent. I mean, I agree with you. We're right behind you age wise. We're in our um, early to mid forties, and there's so much media. And yes, it's good that it gives everybody a voice. But like you said, and I think that was pretty profound. Not everybody is meant to be a musician or a filmmaker and i think it just waters things down and dilutes it to a point where everybody loses in my opinion yeah it's, it's too bad actually yeah there is a good aspect because artists may have a, um, a better um, more possibility to, to do stuff because they have more tools of course a musician work better with a better tool than just with a, maybe a piano but the problem is that the non-musicians that do music, that's the problem. To me, it's very helpful, computers. You can write an arrangement for strings, and uh, you can listen right away how it sounds. Yeah. So it's helpful. I'm not saying that technology is not helpful. But, uh, yeah, I should be using moderation from the by the right people, like... Uh, Nuclear power. Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you build the bombs, it's not. So it depends. Friends don't it's let fun. friends make bad music, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, I can definitely see that. It's not so much the computer that I was referring to. It's social media. It's YouTube. It's being able to blast your music out there with minimal effort. Yeah, that, that's totally. Uh, it, this changed totally our life. In, I mean, in these 15 years, I'm talking about life of Goblin, life of all the bands that were uh, totally forgotten uh, by the people because there were no, there was no way to, to listen to to all the stuff unless you don't know somebody that has a old CD or vinyl. <laughs> with the social, of course, with all the channels and stuff, people started focusing on what they. They were liking, and so now they save it, everything out again. Uh, I totally forgot before uh, internet something that we had, we did, and then I had to study again. So I, I went back to my notes and the agenda, so whatever I had. I discovered okay, I did this movie with Fritzy and blah blah blah. But 20 years ago, I didn't know. So social uh, uh, social network and internet helped a lot to reconstruct this. Uh, this thing, this is a very, very good thing because young generations 
the, the ones that like to, they can go back and listen to what we were doing in the 70s and 80s. Well, it's crazy, yeah. and I'll bring up Moondog again because this is a performer that I'm really into right now that just came on my radar. I was just clicking around on YouTube trying to discover some music I hadn't heard before, and I was like, man, this band is incredible. He has an incredible backstory. He was kind of like this vagrant that just kind of went in and made music and disappeared, and he's he's passed now. He's dead now, but his albums, like his best-selling album had like 115,000 record sales, but there was like 40 million hits on YouTube. And I'm like, this would be like my band that I sold like 40 copies of my shitty punk band five years ago. <laughs> and like 100 years from now, people are watching Even Steven like as a hologram or something in their home. Like exactly. this, this guy has all these listens now that he didn't have when he was alive. Exactly. I, I think we should always do the, our best, even if we are not sure how many people are going to listen because one day somebody will listen and more and more so uh, this is i mean the fact that, that we are not able maybe including goblin we are not selling millions of copies we're just selling right now everybody is selling not much uh yeah just do your work like uh, one million people would buy your album if it is not true if there are three people, they will like it, and that's uh, your mission is accomplished. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah. people could be yeah. listening to having goblin holograms like in their homes in a hundred years. That's totally possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on that. Very nice. Al almost, almost working on that. Very you cool. <laughs> you have something you want to reveal here tonight? <laughs> no, no. Actually, I'm. Uh, mm, since I, I kept being totally involved in um, technology, and uh, ten years ago or so, I jo joined the you know Second Life, this uh, virtual world, 3D, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where an avatar and familiar stuff. with that. Uh, I was even part of the people that built some part of Second Life. Anyway, um, I have um, I built um, sort of uh, virtual instruments that play connected with the um, keyboards and even avatars that can play this stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm working on this. I'm just joking say about the holograms, but uh, uh, <laughs> a little bit giving some life to the computer, maybe on, on Well, the you seem like a mad scientist. I'm anxious to see what you develop. Uh, uh, who? I said, you seem like a mad scientist. You seem like you're just brilliant at putting all this stuff together. So I, oh, I can't wait to see what comes out of you. Oh, it's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. I'm I'm, I'm working on that. I, uh, you know, getting old, <laughs> you become slower in general. Uh, <laughs> and uh, since uh, I'm uh, right now working in, in several small projects, I, I will need more time and uh, maybe going slower, quicker. But it's okay. I'm working on that. All right, well, let me shift gears here real quick because we've only got a couple minutes. I wanted to talk to you real quick about every time you re, uh, reunite with the band, Reform Goblin, do you fall right back in place with those guys or does it take a little work or is the chemistry right there and you hop right back in where you left off? Or do you kind of have to work at it and get to know each other again? Well, musically, we know each other very well. So we don't have to... The day after, after 20 years, we were exactly like the day after... We, we we played in studio. Um, in terms of uh, relationships and uh, maybe fighting personalities, uh, it's always 
the same problem. We, we have um, different things. So we have to work uh, more in on that side that in the actual uh, musical side that is very um, automatic, very, um, very always very good, doesn't change. So now there are several uh, versions of, of the band and uh, because people left, uh, blah, blah, blah. So I, this is, I don't think it's a good thing. In one day, I hope that we'll be able to, to, to be the five of us, I mean, the people from Roller, that uh, maybe time will allow this to happen. Who knows? You never know. True enough, right, Odell? Maybe yeah, sooner than uh, you think. <laughs> I don't know. We are sort of talking, but let's say. But that's not... <laughs> Odell, I know. Um, I, I, I guess this is uh, uh, something I was uh, wondering about. Um, when you play out live um, with Goblin, do you do uh, some of your solo stuff with with the band as well? No, my solo stuff I just do it when when I do my some solo concerts. I played okay several times this year at uh, here in Toronto. And I actually I open because I have my solo project, and that is changing time by time. It's called Maurizio Guarini Circle, <laughs> Circle because I don't have a fixed band, but it changes. And uh, even playing with goblins is complicated because it, they live in Italy, part of them, so it's complicated. But in this way, so I have a local stuff, and uh, yeah, no, I do my solo project only. For me, not not when we play. I play with Goblin. All okay. right. Okay. We are rolling up at the end of our segment here, Mauricio. I want to thank you so much for calling in. Why don't you tell everybody what you've got coming up, what you're working on, and where we can find you online? We got uh, too many things. So I'll take 15 minutes. No, <laughs> I work. <laughs> on my take new all the time you need, my friend. Okay, slowly on my new album. Then I'm, I'm working in some project that is just a spoken word, so no movie, but there is a, an actor, a narrator. I just wow. did uh, something that is uh, the Raven, and then uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. And I'm working on some, right now in something else. It's very long. Then I have uh, uh, other projects um, I'm working on for, uh, okay, is my solo project with something really interesting, but I don't want to uh, unveil what's going on. Well, once you release it, you'll have to come back and we'll talk about it. Sorry? I said once you release it, you'll have to come back on and then we can talk about it. Absolutely, I will. But it's really awesome. interesting. People will like that. I will travel to, to Europe in, uh, in a couple of weeks to just to talk to people about this project. And, uh, yeah, keep going. Keeping going and uh, hey, where do we find you online? If anybody wants to check out Goblin, and if anybody wants to check out your work, okay, the Goblin is www.goblinofficial.com. To not be confused with other website, that's the goblinofficial.com. My site is my first name, last name. That is not easy, but uh, it's m a u r i z i o g u a r i n i dot com. That's mauriziguarini dot com. And uh, the album that I did, the solo album, my first solo album, was uh, three years ago. It was called "Creatures from a Drawer." I saw that. Can, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, you can find uh, the links on, on my website, or maybe creatures from a drawer is easier to to, to spell than Maurizio Guarini from <laughs> in North America. And uh, of course, uh, yeah, we have Facebook, uh, IMDb. You can find all the information you want. Anyway, from goblinofficial.com, everything goblin related, you can go to the our independent record label and see our stuff and Facebook, search goblin and uh, whatever. Right on. Um, I want to thank you awesome. so much for calling in today, Mauricio. I yeah. mean, it was a privilege to um, interview somebody who has so much history. You've contributed so much to music and film. So, so sincerely, I want to thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, All right. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah, well, good evening, Mauricio. You too. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. All righty. So there we go. Odell. Yeah, man. Another legend under our belt. I don't know who else we're going to interview. We've interviewed so many awesome people, and I found him. He said he kicked a lot of profound knowledge on this episode, too. Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. You'll be dropping some Mauricio quotes at work tomorrow, won't you? In, in in that accent too. <laughs> yeah, oh, you got to use that accent tonight. You'll be extra sexy to the wife. There you go. She'll be like, oh. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, we're going to be back here in two weeks. We are going to talk about Waldorf Worldwide. Odell, why what? am I naming the show Waldorf Worldwide? Uh, this, uh... <laughs> really? <laughs> we had to go from that high to that. No, no, no. I'm just lying. Uh, wonderful, uh, good old girl stuff. Yep, they wrote a song about it while simultaneously dissing our hometown. Yes, yes. Their their stick was, well, they came from such a little podunk town, and they made it big, and blah, blah, blah. Small town boy makes good, huh? Right, right. And that wasn't the truth at all. But we're not going to really focus on Good Charlotte. I just thought the name was funny. We're going to talk to a bunch of our old friends, still friends, from back in the band days and talk about the bands that never made it out of Waldorf that damn well should have, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Including your band, not my band. Even Steven sucked. But including Uh, (laughs) Onus and Dionic and all of the great bands. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. It's, uh, It's always good to run in this. It was a good time. Kept uh, it kept us in trouble and out of trouble at the same time, which is pretty cool. <laughs> True words were never said. Yeah, <laughs> we conquered Cootstown. I mean, what? The, uh, like, yeah. Talking about him having no more dragons to slay. We played a bed and breakfast in Cootstown. We went from snow to 70, 80 degree weather within twelve hours. So. <laughs> Not a lot of people can say that, yeah. All righty. You have a good night, Odell. D, are you still with us? You want to play some Goblin? Good night, D. Good night, Odell. Of course I'm here. (laughs) And this is actually, when you sent me the two songs for tonight, this was the one that I immediately recognized, like immediately. This one is called In the Name of Goblin. Ooh, good night, guys. Good night, guys. Good night.